Daily breaking celebrity news. Free, fresh, and in your ear. Hear it first from RadarOnline.com in the Fresh Intelligence Podcast. Whether it's celebs you love or the ones you love to hate, we're bringing you the best gossip about the world's most famous and infamous three times a day. Check out Fresh Intelligence wherever you get your podcasts and visit RadarOnline.com for even more news you can't miss. Do you want to know what joy tastes like? Experience Plant Power CBD, the world's most delicious, organic, high-performing CBD oil. Lab-tested and GMP and hemp strain verified, Plant Power delivers all of the impact you need from your CBD with none of the weird aftertaste or side effects. It's CBD, but for foodies. Try the coconut, pineapple, lemongrass flavor for summer in a bottle or the refreshing mix of mint, rosemary, and lemongrass for a truly timeless flavor, all available at plantpower.io. Plant Power, crafted for a purpose, infused to delight. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first podcast, All Rise, from Front Page Detectives. We are a true crime website. We are going to dive into various aspects of crime and the legal aspect here on the All Rise podcast. A lot of good features coming up. We'll dive into stories of the week, cold cases, missing people cases. I'm Alex Lang. I'm the editor-in-chief of Front Page Detectives. I've covered crime across the country for close to two decades now. I'm joined by Douglas Montero. I'll let him introduce himself and tell you a little bit about him. Hi, my name is Doug Montero. I'm a jaded, longtime newspaper man reporter. I've been beating the bushes in New York City for the past 30, maybe 40 years. I kind of don't remember too much, but I'm an investigative reporter. I smoke Marlboros all day long. And I am here to give you my view of some of the most chilling and horrible crimes across the country. Doug, we're just going to talk like we do here in the newsroom, right? Me and you, you know, we go over the crazy crimes of the week, the things you you wouldn't believe you see, uh, the legal aspects of of crimes, everything and everything about uh, the wonderful world of crime. Exactly. And we're going to try to keep it very simple, plain spoken. And in some cases, we're going to get a little opinionated about it because sometimes we see some crimes that just don't hit us the right way. And we're going to let people know about it. And we're going to have a few guests join us from time to time to help break down some of these legal issues here on All Rise. Um, We might even have some people join us to help break down how police work and whatever's in the news in the crime world. Um, we're also going to give you guys a chance to participate. That could be calling in. That could be giving us theories. Um, we want to make this interactive and get involvement from all aspects here. That's right, folks. So if you feel that you want to get in contact with us, we will be providing you with information so that you can reach out to us and give us your opinion. And if you want Maybe we'll put you on the airs and you could shout it out and talk about something that affects you personally. All right, Doug, one of the first things we always want to talk about is kind of what's in the news in the crime world. And in the last few days, there's been a big story out of Iowa that's gotten a lot of attention. Tell me about it. That's, uh, there's not much going on in Iowa, but tell me about it. Hey, hey, I went to school in that state. Let's not disparage it too much. 
there. Okay, so things happen in Iowa. Things right? happen in Iowa, and there's yeah. some crazy crime out there. Right. Let me so, tell you that. Tell me, tell me. This story involves a teenager. She was a human trafficking victim, and she stabbed a man uh, that she was forced to have sex with. She was sentenced and fined $150,000 for killing the man. Uh, the story's drawn a lot of outrage across various aspects and people. But there's a little bit more to it than the headlines say. What, what were the circumstances? I mean, how could you kill somebody and only get fined 150 k Yeah, and she also got five years probation. We both know probation isn't always the easiest. So she's got a prison sentence possibly hanging over her head. But she was a runaway in, in Iowa and ends up in the sex trafficking trade um, that happens to runaways, unfortunately, in this country. The man who took her into the trade, basically her pimp, um, then took her by knife point to have sex with another man. Not super clear if it was just once or multiple times, but she's forced to have sex with this guy. During an encounter, she ends up stabbing him to death um, and then gets away. Police arrested her and charged her with murder. So what you're trying to tell me is that the suspect is actually a victim. Yep, yep. The suspect is the human trafficking victim. The man stabbed is basically a John. You know, he's having sex with a woman who's being trafficked, so there's, there's concerns there, on, or you can call him whatever you want, put whatever labels you want on him. Um, she's charged with murder, and that, that draws instant outrage, right? She's a sex trafficking victim. She needs to stab the guy to get away. How could you charge her with murder? She's basically just defending herself to, to get out of this horrible situation. Um, but prosecutors later revealed the victim in this case was stabbed to death while he slept. That raises that concern that how much of a threat could he really been? Could she have not just walked out the door? It put a little bit more to the story than maybe some headlines gave. Some of them in other places, you know, describe this as her stabbing her human trafficker to death. Again, it was more of a John than the person who was forcing her into the, the sex trade not to say all Johns are great um, and this woman didn't go through a terrible ordeal, but he wasn't the one forcing her into the trade. Um, he's also asleep. Um, we know stand your ground laws, right? They don't let you just kill anybody who might be tormenting you, especially, uh, at least in most states, if you have a chance to get away. Well, I mean, the, uh, the only thing I could say is, look, I got two daughters here. And as far as I'm concerned, if... This victim here, this 37-year-old man that was stabbed to death by this, uh, this, this, this victim. This, uh, uh, yeah, her name's Piper Lewis, 17, yes. 17 years old, 17. And, yeah, so uh, if, if, if Zachary, I mean, if, if this 37-year-old stabbing victim was aware of the fact that this 17-year-old girl was a victim of human trafficking, well, I say the hell with him, he probably deserved it. Now... And to be fair, that's a reaction a lot of people are having, right? Especially fathers out there. They're saying, you know, this is a teenage girl basically forced into prostitution. You paid for sex with her. You kind of got what you deserved. All right. So what you're telling me is that the dirtbag that took this poor girl and started trafficking her and selling her to this guy that was essentially raping her. I mean, they didn't go after that guy. At best, it's murky. Um, who knows? I mean, that's a that's a question the prosecutor is going to have to answer. You know, as I as well as I do, Doug, that you know there could be some 
legal maneuver in here. Maybe they're using him to get to a bigger fish or something like that. Um, but it's certainly not clear whether he's faced charges or not for basically running a sex trafficking you know, operation, even if it's small. If the murder victim was fully aware of the fact that this young girl was being trafficked and he allowed her to come into his home and he raped her inside of his house on his bed, then, you know, he had to deal with the consequences. And the consequences happened to be multiple stab wounds. So, well, well, guess what? Too bad, buddy. You know, that's what you get. Now, the other part of this sentencing for Piper Lewis, Doug, is the, the, the payment. She was ordered to pay uh, the murder victim's family $150,000. I think for a lot of people, that drew a lot of outrage. Um, given her situation as a sex trafficking victim. A, she probably doesn't have $150,000, um, but B, she's, she's ordered, told she has to pay six figures to a man who was raping her. I mean, prosecutors do not dispute that she was sexually assaulted. The judge said he was bound by law to issue that fine, basically the restitution payment, um, but it has drawn a lot of outrage. What are your thoughts about her having to pay um, her rapist, basically, in this case. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But from what I was told many years ago, there's always there's the letter of the law and there's the spirit of the law. And it seems like the judge in this particular case had no other choice but to follow the letter of the law. But anybody in their right mind will know that in the spirit of the law, this poor girl shouldn't have to pay anybody. And I and I get a funny feeling that what this vi murder victim's family is going to be receiving is blood money, money that comes on the backs of all these poor girls that are being abused across the country. Now, it's important to note, Iowa doesn't have a sex trafficking safe haven law. Um, some other states make it, um, I don't know if easier is the right word, but sex trafficking victims who commit crimes can often receive less punishment or not even be charged for their crimes. Um, this case has spurred Iowa to look at maybe changing their laws and joining that, that practice of creating a safe haven for sex trafficking victims, which is good. It, it, you know, it lets people get out of that situation um, by whatever means they have available. Hopefully they don't have to turn to murder, but it, it, it protects victims a little bit better than they currently are. And Alex, I mean, would you know if there's any sort of federal catch-all law that would apply to this type of a situation? I mean, I find it really grossly inadequate that it's something that goes on a state-by-state -state basis because it's like you could only assume that human trafficking occurs all over the country. And I'm sure every single state has some sort of human trafficking going on, and you know, in some point or another. So I'm just curious uh, if there's any sort of federal. Well, you know, there's federal laws against uh, human trafficking. They come down on them hard. I mean, we we here at Front Page Detectives see them come across our desk almost daily. People being charged with human trafficking and facing decades in prison. Um, but I'm not sure the feds can get involved in this case because uh, I couldn't find anything that she went across state lines for sex trafficking. She just stayed in Iowa, which would make it a state case. Um you know, we, we talked a little bit ago about the uh, sex trafficker in this case. Maybe I was waiting for the feds to come down on him. Maybe they deferred because um, the fed punishment for sex trafficking tends to be pretty strong. Um, so who knows? They could have deferred to them, which we've seen uh, prosecutors do across this country when the feds have 
uh, tighter laws or can take a case. Uh, sometimes the local jurisdictions will just say, no, no, you, you take it. Um, you can do better at it than we can. Our laws aren't strong enough. You know, hopefully that's the case here and that, that sex trafficker uh, will get, get what he deserves. Well, the only thing that we could hope hope for in this particular case, I mean, despite the tragedy, but uh, the, the, the one good thing that may come out of this whole thing is the fact that uh, the state of Iowa could, you know, get together and create laws that would protect, protect young women, you know, from these types of uh, creatures that uh, set out to abuse them um, sexually. That's the hope, but you and I both know politics too, Doug. It's not going to be quick. It's rarely quick. Um, but we can delve into the whole politics issue in a different podcast. I think uh, right now we just kind of shake our head at this whole story. Um, it's sad on so many fronts. It is. It is. And and I and you want to know something? I have a feeling that even though uh, this 17-year-old has to pay $150,000, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there are some good folks and some, some good community uh, organizations out in Iowa that are will, will pony up the money. They already have, Doug. They um, have, there was a GoFundMe, and it raised 150 k within minutes. I mean, it was probably longer than minutes, but by the next day, it had raised that money. People took care of her. Uh, so she didn't have to bear that burden on her own. Amen. God bless you. That's what I like to hear. All right, Doug. Well, that's a recap kind of of the story of the week. Uh, we're going to take a quick ad break, um, pay the bills a little bit, and we'll be back in just a minute to talk about one of the cold cases we featured on Front Page Detectives this week. And we're back here at All Rise. Thank you for letting us take a minute, pay some bills, keep the lights on around here. Um, Doug, I want to talk about a cold case we featured recently on Front Page Detectives. Um, We do this a couple times a week. We focus on various cold cases across this country, mostly murders, um, but occasionally some other crimes. Um, We all know the famous cold cases. Who killed Bob Crane? The Black Dahlia. Who stole all the art in Boston? John Bonet uh, Ramsey. John Bonet Ramsey, probably the most famous one. Those are easy to highlight, but we try to focus on some of the ones people may not know about. It's a chance to shed a little light on these crimes, uh, to maybe generate a lead or two, help police out. We know DNA and amateur sleuths and a host of podcasters have all helped police in recent years solve some cold cases. In fact, there was just a recent one on uh, the guy that they released from prison was based on the podcast. Yep. Serial. Yep. Help get that guy released uh, from prison. Um, so we we just tried to do our part in helping to shed some light. Also keeping these victims' memories alive. Yeah. And Alex, maybe uh, perhaps at some point we could set up some sort of a, of a system where if any of our listeners want to call in a tip or they, they believe they know of a, of a code case that they could help solve, that they could reach out to us and we could uh, very gladly pass the information along to the uh, to the local police department handling the case. We'd be happy to. We'd also, uh, uh, if somebody is part of a cold case, a family member or a friend um, was sadly one of these statistics now. Um, We're happy to focus on their case and and feature it and try to shed some light and generate some new interest uh, to hopefully bring some justice for these victims. Exactly. And and it also provides some sort of an outlet for family members who believe that or they feel that uh, the the authorities are perhaps not doing enough to deal with their case uh, for whatever reason. Uh, At least we could uh, give some of the attention uh, that that's needed. Exactly. 
Um, but we got a kind of a recent cold case we we focused on recently. It was uh, uh, 2019, uh, so only a couple years old. We just passed the anniversary. It happened August 19th in Las Vegas. Stephen Colburn, sadly, like some other veterans, found himself living on the street. Whether it was mental health, whether it was financial, whether it was PTSD, whether it was whatever the reason. No vet should be on the street, um, but he found himself there. On the fateful day, Mr. Colburn was in a car with a female friend um, when a suspect approached the car, probably to rob them. A uh, suspect pulled out a gun. Um, but this is where the story takes a little bit of a turn. Mr. Colburn, uh, whether he was afraid or wanted to draw the suspect's attention away, takes off running. That gets the gunman to chase after him. Sadly, the gunman starts shooting and he kills Mr. Colburn. Um, but he's able to to take enough time to get that female friend, uh, give her a chance to run away, to get to safety. So she survives the ordeal. He's gunned down. Now three years later, police still don't know uh, who is responsible. They admit all they have is a really generic, unfortunate description of him. A black man, a 25, thin build. I mean, it's basically nothing to go on. That could be how many people in this country or Las Vegas. Um, it's really nothing for police, but they're hoping somebody knows something. This this case is hard. The suspect didn't know the victims. It wasn't like they were at a party together and there were a bunch of witnesses or anything like that. It's basically just a street robbery and the suspect gets away. Unfortunately, it's meant no justice for Mr. Colburn, his family. Uh, he was a grandfather, but the police continue to investigate. They're hopeful to solve it. And one day, thanks to all this new technology and interest in cold cases, maybe they will. And and you know what the sad thing about it is that we're talking about an, ar an army veteran, uh, served our country, probably ran into some really difficult, difficult time and process. And according to some of his friends, I mean, he... he he probably only had a few bucks in his pocket, you see, and, and that's what makes this tragedy even more difficult to deal with is the fact that, you know, the, the, the slug who was going to rob him and, and approach them as they were sitting in the car. I mean, well, how much money did he really expect to get from this from these folks? It was um, probably just a crime of opportunity. You know, he, he needed money. He saw them in a car. He had his gun. They were just wrong place, wrong time. I know it's it, it's just terrible. I mean, uh, the 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 woman who his uh, uh, Col Mr. Colbert's friend uh, Lynn Prindle, who thankfully is alive, uh, she told police, uh, "quote When I looked up over him, he was like boom, 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 right on top of Stephen." Uh, she told a, a local TV station, uh, describing how this young man callously and coldly gun down Mr. Colburn. One thing I want to touch on, Doug, like imagine the intestinal fortitude of Mr. Colburn to run away, draw that suspect's attention. If he ran away to, to draw his attention, he probably knew it was going to cost him his life. Um, we all like to post on the internet to talk amongst our friends, how we would protect loved ones, how we would uh, take a bullet for each other. But often that's just talk. It's a lot different when you're staring down the barrel of a gun or it's happening to you. Um, and he had the wherewithal and the 
confidence to do that, to save her life. Um, it's heroic. Now, now I'm just curious now, me being the jaded reporter that I am. So he sees this guy approaching, and the first thing he does, he takes off running. Then the suspect catches up to him, stands over him, and blasts away. I mean, what's the possibility that this could have been a hit job as opposed to a crime of opportunity robbery? Possible, but eh, it's probably a stretch, right? He doesn't have much. He's homeless and everything else. Doesn't sound, well, I shouldn't say doesn't sound since we have so little to go on on the suspect. You know, like a long-standing beef or something like that. I. That's what I mean. A gambling yeah. debt, perhaps? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just a tragedy with a little bit of heroism thrown in. It makes you wonder what, what happened, what was going through everybody's mind. Uh, the fact we do not have a, a much of a suspect description, the fact there are basically no witnesses, you really start to wonder if there will ever be justice in this case. Yeah, and um, according to Ms. Prindle, uh, she described her savior as, uh, as quote, uh, he was harmless. He was just a homeless veteran. He was my buddy. End quote. And, you know, it's a, it's a pretty sad statement that, you know, these things happen. Um, and maybe if the authorities uh, get, a, get a nice lead on this, they could track it down and maybe get this uh, dirtbag off the street. Yep. And, you know, he's probably committed other crimes, the suspect in this case. Um, there's probably some DNA out there somewhere of his. There's probably ties to other crimes. You know, hopefully police can generate that lead and maybe tie a few things together. Uh, and go get this guy off the streets. Yeah, I mean the the other thing. Do you, do would you by any chance know if there were other homeless people that were attacked around that period of time? I have no clue. I mean, it's Las Vegas. Homeless is kind of everywhere uh, there. It wouldn't shock me, but I mean the 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 more you dive into this case, the more it's just sad. Wrong place, wrong time, kind of thing. Um, had they sat their car somewhere else? Uh, Mr. Colburn's probably still alive today. Unfortunately, they they went to that wrong place. Okay. I mean, and you brought up something that I think is rather interesting. I, I remember reading a story about uh, Las Vegas. Apparently, there is a, a large community of homeless people that live under a highway in, the, in some sort of a, under, a tunnel that's underneath Las Vegas, and they set up their own little community under there. You heard about that? I have. I have. You know, some are there for mental health. Some are there um, because of access to money, right? People go gamble. They drink a little bit. And they just start handing out money. Um, some are there probably because of some bad luck um, that everybody who's been to Vegas has experienced. Uh, it's not a shock to have a homeless problem in Vegas. Um, unfortunately, you and I both know that can lead to crime, both as victims and as suspects. Um, Vegas is going to have to look at cleaning that up, trying to get some of these solved, and also protecting these people, making sure they're taken care of, making sure when they are victims uh, that things are investigated and the bad guys go away. Perfect. Now, if anybody has any tips on Mr. Colburn's killing, or frankly any other uh, cold case, they can always email me at editor at frontpagedetectives.com. Um, we'll be happy to either do a story on it or pass it along to the authorities to try to get some of these um, cold cases closed. And just to make sure, it's editor at frontpagedetectives, 
And that's detectives with an S at the end, plural.com. And don't tell anybody, but it'll go to my phone, so I'll see it right away. All right, folks. Uh, we here at uh, Front Page Detectives uh, are planning to feature a segment that focuses on missing people. And the reason why we're doing this is uh, it, it's a very important issue. And I was recently uh, looking over some numbers, and I mean, I, I almost find this too incredible to believe. But you know, on an annual ba- on an annual basis here in the United States, about a half a million people end up missing uh, every year. That's every year, man. You know, that's a lot of damn people. I, I just can't believe. I never knew that so many people would end up going mad. Did you know that so many people go missing, Alex? I do now. I mean, I've been doing this long enough. It, it's really it, it's sad. When we do these stories, we look for missing people cases. One of the first places we go is the National Center for Exploited and Missing Children. Um, you could sort by various topics, you know, date missing states. Um, you just bring up any state in this country, and they got four pages of basically missing children flyers. Um, it's 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 heartbreaking. People without answers on their loved ones. People not knowing what happened to their children. Some are a week old, some are 10 years old. Um, And there's no question for those parents, each passing day has to be just unbearable, not knowing what happened to their child. In the case of adults, for a loved one, not knowing what happened to your loved one. I've talked to victims in in those cases, family members. You can just see the anguish and the the pain they deal with. Um, I can't imagine it. And then you add in the fact it's 500,000 a year. Uh, Only it, in the United States, yeah. mind you. It, it's just unbelievable how many people go missing in this country. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's I, I it's it's absolutely incredible. I mean, t- it says over here five hundred and twenty-one thousand seven hundred and five cases of missing persons, and that that to me is absolutely mind-boggling. Now, it, it, for some other. Uh, uh, interesting statistics. It seems like uh, um, Alaska leads the country in missing people per per capita now. Um, a lot with, of wilderness up there. A lot uh, of wilderness. I know, but I mean, it almost seems like you know some folks go live in Canada because they just want to kind of disappear, you know. But I mean, I didn't know that it was they were literally disappearing. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then uh, Alaska is followed by Arizona, Oregon, Vermont, which is Some, another weird one, Vermont. Yeah, something weird going out west there. Three of those, Alaska, Arizona, Oregon. Uh, people yeah. are going mil- missing in the wilderness still, apparently. That, that is true. That is true. Now, now, statistically, as far as numbers are concerned, of course, California has about 2,000 2, folks missing every year. Uh, and you got Florida with about 1,200 and Texas with about 1,200, just to give you an idea. But when it comes down to the per capita, uh, they they are ranked uh, rather low as opposed to uh, Alaska. Um, but um, on, on that note, uh, the I want to feature um, a missing two-year-old girl who vanished in Tennessee almost 20 years ago 20 years 20 years still ago. don't know what happened two decades later exactly and what sort of makes this case somewhat interesting is that she the two-year-old girl 
Her name is Adriana Wicks. She disappeared when her mother's boyfriend dropped them off at a gas station on uh, March 25th, 2004. And after dropping them off at the gas station, the mother, Jennifer Wicks, came back home without her daughter, which is kind of unusual. But then she took off again, and they both have not been seen for 20 years. Now, this boyfriend, he was considered a person of interest. Uh, this is out of a place called Owens Chapel Community of Cross Plains, Tennessee. Is that a place? Apparently. Okay. Oh. Their, their welcome sign has to be like tw- 12 feet wide. I, I know. Owens Chapel Community of Cross Plains, Tennessee. I don't know where that is, people, but, you know, it's there somewhere. But they initially, the authorities initially thought that the boyfriend was a person of interest, but it turns out that uh, they do not think he is involved. There is a a quote from the victim's sister and the auntie of the missing two-year-old, who is now 20. And this is what we were talking about, Alex, about how... Missing the 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 fact that someone is missing it lingers painfully on the minds of the family members that are left behind, and uh, the sister Casey Robinson uh, tells a local TV station, "It's not top of the mind for a lot of people anymore, but it's top of the mind for us." She said, "I can't stop thinking about it because they're gone." Someone took them. Someone did something to them. End quote. What are your thoughts there, Alex? I mean, I have a, I have a lot of thoughts. The first at my forefront, two decades. Um, sadly, we know when children go missing. Uh, if it starts to stretch out, it's usually not a good outcome in the end. Um, the fact this child has been missing for, for decades, um, I think it's reasonable to suspect a homicide. Um, You hope it's not the case. Um, But it's entirely reasonable, which is sad, um, that her loved ones have not been able to get that closure um, that so many families need. We just want to know what happened. I've heard that so many times in my career, and they haven't been able to get it. The other part of this, right, if she wasn't murdered or killed, she was two when she went missing. So if she's still alive today, she's 20. I don't remember much when I was two. Does she even know who she is? If she's sold to another family, if she, whatever, um, you know, and they change her name at an early age, do, do, does she even know who she is? Um, she could be walking around. She could be listening to us right here on All Rise and not even know she was missing out of Tennessee. Both of those aspects just make it a tragedy. Um, you, you have that. Yeah, maybe she's killed and her family will never know what happened. You also have the potential of the victim in this case still being alive, but not even knowing who her real family is, um, for them not knowing what happened. Just thinking of the potential outcomes on this one can really pull at your heart. You hope somebody knows something and can provide the answer in this case to not only the family, but Tennessee authorities, and they can they can kind of close the book on what what happened to Miss Wicks. 
and bring that justice or those answers to so many who need it. And, you know, it's it, it, this case, it, it reminds me of a rather famous New York City uh, case uh, back in 1987. Uh, this 19-day-old uh, baby was abducted from Harlem Hospital, gone, never to be seen again. Uh, I believe her name is Carlina White. And at some point, Carlina White decided to start looking through the missing persons database. And while searching, she saw a, uh, what do they call that, Alex, when they uh, age? The age progression photos? Yes. She started going through the age progression photos and she found a photograph of somebody who looked just like her. Really? Because I always wonder how accurate those are. Yeah. Uh, I know they're experts and I know they're, they could tell how a toddler's facial features will develop, but I, I've always wondered how accurate uh, those age progression photos, you know, 25 years yeah. uh, can be. Yeah, and when she started investigating it, uh, she found out that she was the missing, uh, the stolen baby from Harlem, and she communicated with her biological mom. And they had a, a reunion. So there was a happy ending in that one. Yes, but there's a twist. There's a twist. Always a twist. What do you got for me? All right. Well, when what happened was, of course, she reunited with her biological mother. The kidnapper uh, was, of course, charged, right, with the kidnapping. Mm -hmm. But oddly, even though she was a kidnapper, she apparently was a good mom because the daughter, the kidnappee, the victim, Loved the kidnapper, well, Stockholm syndrome or something, right? I mean, I don't know what. I it mean, was. she went missing days after being born. She didn't know a different mother. She, yeah, she didn't know a different mother. And the irony is that she, uh, the kidnappee, went to bat for the kidnapper and was begging her, like, "Hey, you know, leave her alone. You know, I love her. She's my mom." And it's it's it, it was an absolutely incredible, incredible story. Um, if you want to read more about it, maybe we should write about it. I could maybe talk to uh, Carlina a little bit to see how she's doing. Uh, I think that would be a good idea, Doug. Uh, we always love content here. Yes. Um, so, yeah, get on that one. Let's go. Now everybody's going to be expecting it within weeks. Way to create more work for yourself. I know, right? Me and my big mouth. <laughs> but, the, but the good news is, in that case, the, the family got their answers. Um, it wasn't a situation where they're still wondering what happened to their baby at Harlem Hospital. There was the twist. Um, but everybody got a little bit of closure. We were reunited, even though uh, how much reunification happened is in question, right? Because she still she still loved her kidnapper or mother. But there were those answers there, unlike in Tennessee, where we're still trying to figure out what happened to this toddler. I know. Yeah. And and it sort of again reminds me of the uh the issue with nine eleven. Um when the when the Twin Towers collapsed, even though the remains of some people were found, uh there there were the remains of other folks that weren't found. And it, it left the families in, in a horrible situation because it's like, you know, do you hold a funeral? I mean, do you, do you have a funeral, or the, you know, with an empty casket? Right. I mean, that's 
something that's rather heavy. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, so you, it, you have to hold on to hope, right? Since you don't know, you have to hold on to that. Even if your head's telling you they're probably gone, you, you, I mean, it's human nature to hold on to that hope and and maybe not have that funeral just in case they do come home one day. Yeah, that is true. There's always the just in case because you always hear about those stories, right? Yeah. I mean, the one you just shared. <laughs> she came home. It, it wasn't necessarily a Disney or a, a movie ending where everybody was, uh, you know, happy and the kidnapper goes off to prison, but they came home. That's true. There is a closure. Yep. Right? Yep. And I've talked to so many families, they just want that closure. They just want that answer, um, even if it's not necessarily a good one. It kind of lets them, you never forget, but move on to the next phase. Um, you, you, the wondering is gone. There's somebody to point to, to, to blame, to direct anger towards. The darkness is gone. The, the darkness of not knowing what happened is gone. And you would hope somebody out there can help Tennessee authorities or this family get that closure in this missing toddler case. Exactly. So, folks... If you're out there listening in at Owens Chapel Community of Cross Plains, Tennessee. Alice, I'm going to look that up to really see if that place really exists. I think we should send you there, Doug, just yeah, to kick I, it around and do the story on the history of the name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want to know why they call that uh, Owens Chapel Community of the Cross Plains. Now, but nevertheless, folks, if you have any information, always feel free to get in contact with us. And the email is editors. Editors at frontpagedetectives.com. It'll go right to me. Exactly. And you're better off reaching the, the Tennessee uh, authorities, of course. But if you don't want to, if you're allergic to the police department, you could always contact us. Correct. All right, folks. Uh, I want to give a, a, a front page detectives shout out to a gentleman by the name of Simon Mancilla senior he's a 73 year old grandfather of 11 kids god bless him boy those are a lot i like i I wonder how he remembers their names that's what i always wonder how do you always remember 11 of them i Uh, can barely remember like doug you're lucky i remember your name exactly well and here's the thing you know he got to get christmas gifts for all those kids so i don't know god but but listen here the story is that mr mancilla was at a department store when he is parking lot when he sees an armed robbery carjacking going down and he goes up to help the poor victim a female and there is videotape of mr mancilla slugging it out with the armed bandit the slug who ends up smashing him over the head I think it requires about seven to eight stitches. He did the best he could. The The robber got away. But I just want to give a, a, a shout out to Mr. Mancella, 73 years old. He could have just turned around and minded his own business. But no, he decided to get involved. He decided to help a person out. And I appreciate people like that. Not like the guy who was taking the video camera and videotape of the incident. Instead of videotaping the damn thing, he should have ran over there to help Mr. Mancilla beat off this uh, this robber. But nevertheless, I think the man deserves an applaud. And if anybody knows this guy, I need you to do me a favor and uh, pat him on the back, give him a hug and a kiss, and tell him that we here at Front Page Detectives love him. 
All right? That's my shout-out for the day. What do you think, Alex? I mean, good for him for stepping in. I'm uh, not sure I would do that, even in my 30s, let alone being a grandfather of 11. Um, but let's just say he, he's more brave than I am uh, stepping in there. But good for him to, to stop that and help that woman out. Exactly. And that and that's what we need more and more in this country. I'm not I'm not calling for vigilanteism, but at least, you know, he's a guy who, d- who decided to step up. And uh, I was reading some of the commentaries on the story and uh, they they described him as being part of the great generation. Right. That's correct. All right, then. Because right now what we got now is the TikTok generation. <laughs> and I'm not going to say much about those people. Okay, let's let's keep that for a different podcast, Doug. All right, uh, I think that's all the time we have here for uh, Front Page Detectives All Rise podcast. Uh, we thank you for listening. Uh, we're glad to be back. Uh, we're looking forward to bringing you more stories about crime, uh, about the legal system, about Doug's crazy history, everything and anything in between. Uh, we hope you keep listening and join us again next week. Thank you.